Hey folks, Attorney Andrew Branca here from Law Self-Defense. Welcome to this relatively rare pre-recorded episode of a Law Self-Defense show. I am, of course, Attorney Andrew Branca for Law Self-Defense. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I see that I forgot to brush my hair after Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, well, you'll have to live with it. The slightly must look. Uh, so this is a pre-recorded show for Tuesday, September 12th, because I'm actually speaking live at the Colorado Colorado State Public Defenders Conference, their annual conference. Uh, they invited me to speak there um, because of my performance on one of their murder trials earlier this year, where we got their client uh, acquitted on murder, manslaughter, and uh, reckless manslaughter charges. So they were pleased with that performance, got the invitation to speak there. That's what I'm doing today live. So you're getting this pre recorded the prior day. And it comes from a question that uh, was sent in for our Platinum Q&A show. So one of our Platinum members sent this in. Uh, it came up in the rotation when we did last week's Platinum Q&A show, but it involved looking at a video, and I didn't have time to do that in real time. But I've since looked at the video, and the video involves a UK prankster uh, who does outrageous things, things that would be really dangerous, at least here in the U.S., if, if not in the U.K., uh, we're, of course, going to treat his prank here as if it were in the U.S., because I don't know anything about U.K. law. Um, but in this particular case, what he does is he just walks into someone's home uh, uninvited. And so we're going to explore how some representative U.S. states, how their laws would treat such an unlawful entrant into the home, what the homeowner's legal privileges would be for use of force and so forth. That'll be the focus of today's show. Shouldn't be too long. Uh, and because it is pre-recorded, folks, I obviously I'm not taking questions or comments in the chat, um, even from law self-defense members, because it's pre-recorded. But um, if you put questions in the, um, you can submit questions to the law self-defense blog post, and I'll take a look at those when I get back into the office tomorrow. So let's see if I have a formal launch for today's show. It looks like I forgot to import it, but I'll do that right now. Uh, and this prankster's name, he goes by uh, the TikTok handle, Secret Mizzy. And his real name is Bakari Ogaro. So I'll put that all in the description. But in the meantime, let's go ahead with the formal launch of today's show. All right, so this was sent in uh, by Law, Law Self-Defense Platinum member Jonathan for consideration during our Platinum Q&A show, and I'm following up on all that here now. And he had pointed me to this TikTok, sorry, Twitter post. Uh, I don't know whose account this is, but they had the video of this prankster, that's him, bold-faced into the camera, Bakari Ogaro. And uh, he films, of course, his pranks on video and then plays them on YouTube and TikTok and elsewhere for clicks and followers and attention. Um, a class A grade a-hole. No question about that. Uh, an adult at the time this happened, 18 years of age. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and play the video, the actual video that's embedded here in just a moment. Before I do, I wanted to touch upon a couple of 
news articles covering this dude. Uh, let's see. How about this one? From uh, some, I don't know, looks like a left-wing news publication, I guess, but I repeat myself. Um, headline is TikTok removes account of teen who randomly walked into family's home. So let me zoom this up a bit. A teenager who filmed himself walking into a stranger's house has de- has been deleted or has deleted his account after strong backlash. I think TikTok actually removed him. Uh, the clip was posted by 18-year-old TikToker Secret Mizzy, whose real name again is Bakari Ogaro. Uh, when quickly went viral on TikTok, gathering over 1.5 million views before it was removed. The TikTok spokesperson confirmed his account was removed for violating their community guidelines. So that makes it sound like TikTok removed his account, not that he deleted it. Uh, In the video, the TikToker filmed himself alongside two friends saying, walking into random houses, let's go. He then proceeded to film as he approached a luxury townhouse and opened the gate, walking past a woman who was sweeping in the front garden. That's the video we're going to watch. Uh, The TikToker walked right past her through the open front door. And meanwhile, the homeowner could be heard shouting for her partner inside the house, to come and handle the unfolding situation, he was initially accompanied by a young child. Secret Mizzy made himself comfortable on the sofa before asking the homeowner, is this not where the study group is? The male homeowner asked the three teens to leave because they had children in the house saying, I've got kids, man. Speaking to the Daily Star about his controversial actions, the TikToker explained, it's unfortunate that there were minors present in the house. However, none of them were harmed or negatively affected. If I'd known there were children in the house, I would never have went in at all. When asked if his actions went too far, the 18-year-old argued, too far in whose eyes? I do what I've been doing, and I know the repercussions of the things I do. Perhaps it was a bit far. However, I don't encourage anyone to repeat my actions. On Twitter, where the clip was reposted and remains up, it's been viewed almost 19 million times with multiple comments about how stupid and reckless the boy's actions were. Someone tweeted, breaking into people's homes, risking your life, and possibly getting arrested all for TikTok views is just insanity. Meanwhile, streamer Hassan Piker, I don't know who that is, said, yeah, you can't do this in America. And we're going to explore that in just a moment. Speaking of repercussions, by the way, uh, not only was his account deleted on TikTok, uh, but he ended up being criminally charged in the UK by the Metropolitan Police. Uh, ordered to appear in court. That's a picture of him in a police station on the left there. On the right is a picture of him from his little video. Uh, There's not much information here. He's been charged apparently with failing to comply with the community protection notice. Uh, Some kind, I would imagine that's some kind of restraining order that was put on him because of his previous pranks. So they're not charging him with breaking and entering, which we certainly could under American law. Uh, He's knowingly unlawfully entering someone else's property. He knows he's not there for a study group, right? Um, So breaking and entering for sure in America, but we're more interested in the use of force defensive stuff. So uh, let's see, let's go and pull up the actual video and then we'll look at some, some defense of dwelling law from different states and see how different states might approach this kind of scenario. All right, here's the video. James, come to the front door right now, please. James, James, 
Hi. You man from? Hello, James. We need to speak to James. James. Hi. Hi. Um, that James. Is this right, where the study right. group is? No. no. What the number is this? No. Um, yeah. Study group. Yeah. Well, this is not where the study yeah, group is. Oh, you got kids? Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, I thought this was the study group. I actually thought. Yeah, and this is study group. Now, of course, he knows it's not a study group. And, of course, this happened in the UK. I don't know anything about UK use of force law. But let's take a look at how it might be handled in America. And I just picked a few states with slightly different versions of defense of dwelling statutes for us to look at. So, Kansas. Statute 21-5223, defense of dwelling, place of work, or occupied vehicle. This is, of course, a defense of dwelling scenario in this video. A person is justified in the use of force against another when to the extent it appears that such person, uh, such person reasonably believes such use of force is necessary to prevent or terminate such other's unlawful entry into such person's dwelling. Well, is that what happened here? Was this entry unlawful? Uh, sure was, right? That person, secret Mizzy, did not enter with license. It was an unlawful entry into the home. So that would certainly justify the homeowner to use the force necessary to terminate the unlawful entry. Now, as I often caution, when the law talks about force generically, they almost always mean not any type of force, but only non-deadly force. When they're talking about authorizing deadly force, they explicitly say deadly force. So we get to that in the next paragraph of this Texas statute. A person is justified in the use of deadly force to terminate unlawful entry into a dwelling if such person reasonably believes that such use of deadly force is necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to such person or another. Well, Kansas, thanks for nothing. Because you're privileged to use deadly force if you're facing a threat of imminent death or grave bodily harm, irrespective of whether or not you're in your dwelling and dealing with an unlawful intruder. You're privileged to use deadly force in self-defense against an unlawful imminent deadly force threat if you're just walking down the street. So Kansas gives its homeowners nothing extra in terms of defense of dwelling. These homeowners would not be privileged to use deadly force to stop secret Mizzy and his unlawful entry into their home unless they reasonably believed that the use of deadly force was necessary to terminate or, or prevent imminent death or great bodily harm. Now, I know some of you are thinking emotionally that, hey, these strangers just walked into my home. There's several of them. Anybody would believe there's an imminent threat of death or great bodily harm, but I'm here to tell you not anybody would. There is such a thing as the innocent intruder, the person that's present unlawfully, but without malice. And generally, the law does not give you license to simply shoot that person. So it's not enough that in your mind you fear, fear imminent death or great bodily harm from these unlawful intruders. That fear has to be reasonable, which means it has to be based on facts. What are they doing that's different than someone who's just accidentally present, walked into the wrong place by accident? to differentiate the innocent intruder from a malicious intruder before you can use deadly force upon them. 
There has to be facts from which you're making reasonable inferences of this imminent deadly force threat. And you need to be able to articulate those facts. And I don't see those facts here. They didn't go in with raised fists or display weapons or verbally threaten anybody with harm. So I think under the Kansas statute, were this to happen in Kansas, there'd be no privilege to use deadly force against these unlawful intruders into the home. How do things change if we look at North Carolina law? Here's North Carolina statute 14-51.2. I don't know why it doesn't say the state there. I'll have to fix that. But this is, I assure you, a North Carolina statute. Uh, I have some definitions. Here's what North Carolina does. The lawful occupant of a home is presumed to have held a reasonable fear of imminent death or serious bodily harm when using defensive force likely to cause death or serious bodily harm to another if both of the following applies. So that's giving you really all the elements you need for self-defense, right? It's a reasonable fear. That's reasonableness. It's presumed the threat is imminent. It's presumed the threat is deadly force. So those are the elements of eminence and proportionality, respectively. Innocence is kind of baked into the cake. If you're in your own home and there's an intruder and avoidance wouldn't apply under the castle doctrine within your home, dealing with an unlawful intruder, but you have to meet the conditions. So you get this presumption of a reasonable fear of an eminent deadly force threat that justifies your use of deadly defensive force if the person you're using the force against was in the process of or had unlawfully and forcibly entered the home. And the person who uses the defensive force knew or had reason to believe that an unlawful and forcible entry had occurred. So forcible generally means something was broken. And they add this condition of forceful to unlawful, unlawful is not enough by itself, to address the concern about the innocent intruder, the repairman sent to the wrong address, the out-of-town guests who confused one home for another or one apartment for another, walked into a place they're not lawfully allowed to be. They walked into the wrong apartment. They don't have license to be there. It's unlawful, their presence. But if they didn't break something to get in, there's an innocent explanation that could be consistent with the innocent intruder. Now, if they broke something to get in, there's no innocent explanation for that. But these kids didn't break anything to get in. Sure, they opened the gate. But I bet there's a doorknob on that front door, and the doorknob is is license invitation to go up and ring the doorbell to get the homeowner's attention. So the gates, there's no no trespassing sign. The gate's not locked. Nothing had to be broken to open a gate. If a package was going to be left on the stoop, the gate would be opened. They certainly didn't break the door going in. The door was the door was open. They didn't even have to open the door. Imprudent, probably. So even under North Carolina law, this legal presumption of a reasonable perception of an eminent threat of deadly force harm wouldn't be triggered because these pranksters didn't break, didn't forcibly enter the property. Uh, you don't necessarily have to break something physical. Say the woman who was sweeping had uh, had jumped to block their path and they pushed her out of the way. Now they're using force to gain entry. Unlawful force to gain entry. So North Carolina presumption would not be triggered on the facts of this video. How do things change if we look at South Dakota? 
a person who unlawfully enters or attempts to enter a person's dwelling is presumed to be doing so with the intent to commit an unlawful act involving force or violence. Well, that's helpful because this presumption presumes the violent intent of the intruder and does not require forcible entry in order to be triggered. Mere unlawful entry is enough. That's very helpful. Because, of course, that would feed back into a deadly force defense of property scenario. Someone is unlawfully in your home with the intent to commit an act of violence. That's a deadly force threat within your home that justifies the use of deadly defensive force. So I would strongly uh, discourage Secret Mizzy from pulling this prank in South Dakota. Because that homeowner would have every legal privilege to shoot him dead. Right there. What about Colorado? How does Colorado do this? Well, Colorado takes an interesting approach. Uh, a number of states create these kinds of legal presumptions we were just talking about, right? It's legally presumed that an, these elements are present. That includes the el- element of proportionality. So the requirement that before you use deadly force, you're facing a deadly force threat does not go away in most states. Even states that have the benefit of this legal presumption for defense of highly defensible property like a home or place of work, or an occupied vehicle. They, they don't do away with the requirement of proportionality, that you can't use deadly defensive force unless you're facing a deadly force threat. They simply presume that the element has been checked off. There's a presumption that the other person is presenting as a deadly force threat. That's generally a rebuttable presumption, by the way. There can be contrary evidence that overcomes the presumption. But they're not doing away with the element of proportionality. You still have to be facing a deadly force threat before you can use deadly defensive force. They're just presuming that you are facing that deadly force threat. Colorado takes things a step further by doing away with the requirement of proportionality entirely. Any degree of threat, deadly or non-deadly, from a home intruder under the required conditions is sufficient to justify the use of deadly defensive force. A finger poked to the chest is enough. So let's take a look at Colorado statute. When it was passed, with much uh, furor, it was deemed the make-my-day law at the time. It reads, any occupant of a dwelling is justified in using any degree of physical force, including deadly physical force, against another person when that other person has made an unlawful entry into the dwelling. And when the occupant has a reasonable belief that such other person has committed a crime in the dwelling in addition to the uninvited entry or intends to commit a crime against a person or property in addition to the uninvited entry. And when the occupant reasonably believes that such other person might use any physical force, no matter how slight, against any occupant. So what's the key condition here that has to be met? You need the unlawful entry. It doesn't have to be forcible. They don't need to have broken anything to get in. But in place of that requirement for forcible entry, Colorado says, well, you have to have a reasonable belief that they've committed or are going to commit some crime in addition to the unlawful entry. That's how they address the innocent intruder perspective. If you have reason to believe that, then any degree of threat from that other person, from that unlawful intruder, a finger poke, no matter how slight the statute says, is sufficient to justify the homeowner's use of deadly defensive force. Uh, here's, uh, Here's how Utah addresses this issue. 
Utah Statute 76.245, force in defense of habitation. A person is justified in using force. And remember, when they only say force, they generally mean non-deadly force. Is using force against another when and to the extent that he reasonably believes that such force is necessary to terminate the other's unlawful entry into his habitation. However, he's justified in the use of force intended or likely to cause death or serious bodily injury. So now we get the additional conditions for the use of deadly defensive force. If the entry is made or attempted in a violent and tumultuous manner or surreptitiously or by stealth. Do any of those apply to the prankster here? Did they enter with violence? Was it tumultuous? I don't think so. Let's look up a definition of tumultuous. Because to me, tumultuous is very similar to violence. Making a loud, confused noise. Uproarious. Excited, confused, or disorderly. Maybe. Maybe you'd have a shot at tumultuous. I mean, they were deliberately being disorderly, right? The woman outside sweeping asks, what What are you doing? And they don't respond in an orderly manner, right? They don't address her question. They brush past her in a, I would suggest, disorderly manner. So you might have a shot there. Uh, they certainly weren't surreptitious, and they weren't acting with stealth, Right. In addition, the homeowner has to reasonably believe the entry is attempted or made for the purpose of assaulting or offering personal violence. Now, you might say, hey, if I saw three kids, just adults, just walk into my home, I'd presume they're there for purpose of assault or offering personal violence. They know it's not their home. But again, that's not enough. A reasonable belief has to be based on facts, things you're observing. What is the evidence of assault or offering personal violence in this prankster video? I just don't see it. Or the other option, there's an alternative paragraph here. The homeowner reasonably believes the entry is made for the purpose of committing a felony in the habitation. And that would be other than the entry. And that the force is necessary to prevent the commission. Again, but it has to be a reasonable belief, not just speculation, imagination, fear. Actual facts you can point to from which a reasonable person would infer an attempt to commit a felony in the habitation. So you can see the pranksters being deliberately ambiguous in their conduct. Right now, a couple things. And then I'll wrap up relatively short show today. One is anybody pulling this prank in, in America ought not be surprised that they're shot dead because there's plenty of homeowners who simply out of, out of fear would shoot them dead. People unlawfully, disorderly, entering their home. So they shouldn't be surprised if they get shot dead in America, pulling a prank like this. The same, by the way, with other pranks I've seen them do where they hop into people's occupied cars. Occupied cars in most of America, highly defensible property. We have a lot of guns in America. People don't like their homes being intruded to, and they have ready access to firearms. Now, their shooting of the pranksters may not be lawful, as we've seen. Statutes vary. The privilege for the use of deadly defense in defense of a habitation varies from state to state. 
Defense of self and defense of others law is fairly common across the 50 states, but defense of property, including highly defensible property, varies quite a bit across the 50 states. So a homeowner might shoot the pranksters dead and be at legal liability for having done that, depending on the statutory provisions of their particular state. But the pranksters are still dead, nevertheless. From the other side of the equation, I would also say that I would caution any of you um, from, from shooting anyone dead if you don't really think you have to do that in defense of life. I would discourage anyone from shooting someone dead simply because they think, and they may be right, that the legal boxes for the use of deadly force have been checked, so they have the privilege to use deadly defensive force. If they really don't need to, if they know it's a prank, if they can see it's a prank, they also know that these pranksters, perhaps unaware, checked every box to privilege that homeowner to shoot them dead right there in the foyer. But if you're that homeowner, and you realize it's a prank, that these people don't need killing. They're just being a-holes. And like it or not, we're not really privileged just to shoot a-holes and have it be lawful in America. Uh, so and I, w- I would encourage everyone to keep a cool head, not be shooting people they don't really need to be shooting, even if the boxes for the use of deadly defensive force have been checked. Now, again, that's if you have the luxury of choosing that option consistent with your own safety and the safety of the people you have a duty to protect. If there's risk to people, you got to protect the people, right? If you don't win the physical fight and you have reason to believe there's a physical fight coming, uh, then the rest of it doesn't matter. I'm just suggesting that you shouldn't shoot people. I would advise against shooting people just because you can, even if it's lawful, if you don't need to, to defend life, to secure the safety of life. Because you could be the most innocent user of deadly force in defense of your dwelling and your family in the world and still face prosecution and all the expense and risk and still face conviction and get convicted and be sentenced to 30 years in prison, even if you were in the right. And I would suggest, I'm not saying urging caution and patience for the benefit of the pranksters. I don't care about the pranksters. I'm urging it for your benefit, for the defender's benefit. Because now how... No matter how innocent you are, no matter how justified your use of force actually was on the legal merits, your view of all that, the truth of all that, is not what controls your legal fate. What controls your legal fate is the perception and decisions of other people, not you. Police, prosecutors, judge, jury, who may not have your interest in heart. And what if, as in this video, there's a racial difference? What if the homeowners are white, living in a wealthy, luxury home, it looks like to me, and the pranksters are just kids having fun that happen to be black? How is that going to be made to look? Like you're a racist murderer? You think they won't make that argument, even if there's not a racist bone in your body? Of course they will. So... Some cautionary words there at the end. Um, What can I mention for today's show? There were a couple of things I wanted to mention. One is as a uh, favor to my local uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. A couple times a year, they do a free open seminar for for new students or people who are interested in learning more about jiu-jitsu. It's two and a half hours. 
It's uh, very, very well received. I've had law self-defense members, members of our community go to this event before and they loved it. Uh, now, this is being put on by my local dojo uh, in Colorado Springs. So you need to be within a reasonable distance of Colorado Springs to take advantage of this. But again, we've had law self-defense members do it before. They loved it. It's Saturday, September 23rd, 2 to 4.30 p.m. And you can learn more about this opportunity at GJJ for Gracie Jiu-Jitsu 101.com, GJJ.com. So I would encourage you to take a look at that. And it's coming up, folks. Less than a week away, next Saturday, Nick of Rakaita Law is having a meetup in Nashville. I will be there. There'll be five hours of hijinks. Uh, we'll have a few adult beverages. We'll tell some jokes. We'll have some laughs. There'll be a, a, a stage. Some of us will be on stage for a bit, and then we'll circulate with the with the audience. So if you've ever wanted to meet me in person or meet Nick in person or the varied other people who orbit Nick's space and um Come to these meet and greets. I did one with Nick in uh, Las Vegas a few months ago. Steve Gosney was there. Uh, lots of people were there. Great fun was had by all. I don't think this one, I'm not staying up as late this time as I did last time. <laughs> Full confession. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. Now, Nick does have to pay for a venue to accommodate the number of people who show up. So there are tickets to cover the cost of the venue. You can get those at lawofselfdefense.com slash Nick. There's a little banner on the bottom there lawofselfdefense.com slash Nick. And finally, for those of you who may be new to the Law of Self-Defense community, I just want you to know you can always get a copy of our best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense Principles, real physical book, folks, not just some PDF download. Check it out on Amazon, five-star rated, but don't buy it on Amazon. They'll charge you $25 for the book, plus shipping and handling. I'll give you the book for free. I only ask that you cover the cost of shipping the book to you. Take advantage of this at lawofselfdefense.com slash free book. And because this is a pre-recorded show, there are no comments and questions currently for me to answer. So I will go ahead and wrap up today's show. Remember, folks, if you carry a gun, so you're hard to kill. That's why I carry a gun. So I'm hard to kill. My family is hard to kill. Then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law. So you're hard to convict as well. Until next time, I remain attorney Andrew Branker for Law Self-Defense. Stay safe.